the circular economy really relies on maintaining the uh, material quality for reusing, using the things for longer. So uh, uh, these, these trends are pushing more responsibility on the producer because they have to incentivize and they need to, to make sure that the, 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 the material is more durable, is longer lasting. Accreditation is a way of life. One of the actions that organizations are taking is to focus on issues of pressing importance. What the customers really want out of their accredited certification. I believe we have an impact on everyday's life. It's important to be inclusive. It is important really to, to, to be open. And that will be one additional way to ensure that the voice of industry and user is heard and recognized. Hello everybody, and I take this opportunity to welcome you all to this podcast session um, on the aspect of circular economy. And it is, gives me an immense pleasure as we have two stalwarts in this area joining us today for this podcast. When we talk about circular economy, um, as we all know, it is an alternative to highly extractive and resource intensive linear economy principle which replaces the end-of-life concept with three hours concept and focuses on the usage of selection of materials, products, processes for waste elimination. It aims at retaining value of resources, products and materials by using them as long as possible and minimizing the wastage at the life cycle at the each life cycle stage. And there is no denying that the implementation of circular economy approaches can in fact lead to material cost savings and increase the profits. So when we look at the global community stand, uh, it is nothing but for the economic growth, which comes at an ecological cost. There is a need that we introduce this concept of circular economy. Uh, so that we we have a potential to provide new opportunities for trade and create jobs. As well as the global corporations are expanding, I would like to emphasize that tech sector and the accreditation community plays a critical role in positioning at the center to facilitate this transition to circular economy which requires the role of tech sector, standards, accreditation community, different stakeholders in this whole ecosystem, so that these sectors can contribute as an independent third party to verify the circular economy claims made by the manufacturer, manufacturing companies, as well as instill trust among the relevant stakeholders. With this introduction, I have the pleasure to introduce to you my two distinguished guests today in the podcast, uh, Dr. Bernardo Calzira Saramianto and Ms. Stephanie Wering. Just a short introduction about Dr. Bernardo. 
He's a director of Division of Fair Production, Sustainable Standards and Trade of Directorate of SDG Innovation and Economic Transformation at UNIDO. He has been the Managing Director of Directorate of Digitalization, Technology and Agribusiness and Director of Department of Digitalization, Technology and Innovation at UNIDO. A, an experienced manager and a global leader, leader managing 700 staff internationally with more than 30 years of international experience, also in the area of sustainable development and innovation, as well as in global de development. His involvement includes working in different parts of the world, some of them being Asia, Africa, Latin America. Dr. Bernardo has held position in investment promotion, funds mobil mobilization and social responsibility, PhD in economics from v Vienna University of Economics and Business Austria. Um, can, uh, can you please uh, let us know that what are the contributions and actions by UNIDO in the area of circular economy? Uh, thank you so much uh, to, for having me here. Talking from UNIDO, the United Nations Industrial Development uh, Organization, we look at in the area of industrial developments of three specific megatrends. Namely, the, you mentioned the exponential digital transformation. Uh, the shift from a more social environmental responsibility approach that was voluntary to more mandatory system. And yes, it is about the quest for achieving the net zero paradigm, zero emissions and the energy transitions. So the production, use and eventual disposal of materials, industrial materials, such as steel, plastics, aluminium, cement, account for a quarter of all global CO2 emissions. So we need to give the net zero paradigm a chance. Countries, businesses, we need to advance the circular economy, which is a powerful instrument and the principles within to optimize the use and the reuse of the materials. Uh, you mentioned what is the uh, circular economy, so let me go straight forward to what we're doing. Uh, many UNIDO member states are uh, preparing and undertaking legis legislative processes to enact laws, and uh, we are supporting them in analytical and policy advisor. It includes, uh, for example, in Uruguay, we have the sustainable circular economy law. And we have also been doing this in partnership with uh, the PAGE, the Partnership for Action and Green Economy, and UNIDO. We have a, a more concrete program at a, a lower level. Uh, this means meso and micro level, Global Eco-Industrial Parks Program. And this we are implementing together with, um, with Switzerland. And we are helping the, to integrate industrial circularity into laws, regulations, but also into the parks, and also we are working in interministerial groups. And this leads us to consensus building, coordination, standardization. We are part of the standardization process uh, that is happening uh, in ISO, in uh, TC323. And uh, we have been also at the national level helping in the establishment of national standards for circular economy. One good case is uh, in Egypt, we have been developing uh, together with uh, the authorities there, a standard for the bioeconomy. 
the partnerships for us play a very important role. And this is why we have been organizing a number of consultations on the circular economy, uh, which is a dialogue with the member states to exchange best practices, uh, facilitate global discussions. And here also, we have been starting to introduce the topic of accreditation, conformity assessment, certification, and the link to our quality infrastructure topic. Also, I would like to mention we are founding member of the Global Alliance on Circular Economy and Resource Efficiency, and we launched this coalition in Latin America. We're working also in best practices for, for SMEs and our technical cooperation programs. And in uh, the switch to the circular economy value chain, and this I would still like to, to emphasize, we are working on electronics, textile garments, and plastic, because you introduce and you really make the circular economy happen when you go down to the production level to uh, uh, where the production is happening uh, so that you can apply the, the practices. So we, we're starting from the policy uh, level through strengthening the institutional and the partnership towards the economic practices. Uh, these are just some, some examples of uh, what, what UNIDO is working in relation to the circular economy. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Barnardo. I see a vast array of activities which UNIDO is into, like from supporting in the area of standards to the conformity assessment network to supporting the global alliance on the circular economy, as well as supporting the industry. So, which is in fact, we see that there's a lot of activity proactively being done by UNIDO and there is an active stakeholder cooperation and collaboration which you're undertaking. Uh, now that you've mentioned the uh, aspect of participation in ISO 323 as well as participation on the uh, standards development, um, I take this opportunity to introduce to you Stephanie Waring, a biophysicist by educational qualification. Stephanie has experience working in different standards body in Germany as well as globally, which includes DIN, German Institute of Standardization, BMWI, um, Federal Ministry of Economic Technology, VD2, EV, etc. And she's very actively involved in the standardization level at the ISO as well as CASCO level, participating as convener as well as expert in various working groups, which include ISO 17029, ISO 17030. She's a convener of Strategic Alliance and Regulatory Group, which is a STAR group, member of Technical Interface Group. She's also been the chair at CENSENELAC for the criteria for conformity assessment bodies. So looking into the vast experience which she has on the aspect of standards, and as Dr. Bernardo mentioned, that standards in relation to circular economy have a very important role. My question to you would be, as an ISO CASCO star chair, can you please update us on the standards CASCO is developing on this important topic related to circular economy? Yes, gladly. Thank you, Afan, and thank you for for allowing to uh, broadcast what we what we do at CASCO. Um, well, first of all, um, the CASCO standards are generic and intended to be all-purpose instruments to assess and confirm the fulfillment of requirements. And 
That applies um, to begin with to all kinds of requirements, including those that are relevant or become relevant for the circular economy. And um, there you could also think of a full range of uh, tangible technical specifications for material compositions, for particular operational um, modes for, for processes, as well as um, rather environmental conditions that are needed, um, for instance, when managing um, supply chains in, in a circular manner. Um, and last but not least, uh, general expectations um, that come with uh, the idea of a circular economy. And that could be um, that things are actually repairable or that recycling is indeed feasible. And the latest instrument to this very generic toolbox Casco developed is um relating to requirements regarding reliable information. Um, we found that this becomes more and more, and um, particularly in the circular economy and sustainability area, um, the, the, the traded goods um, to, to rely upon. And um, in that regard, this new CASCO standard defines the assessment bodies who are confirming um, given data and information. But um, it doesn't really end there. The generic uh, provision uh, might, but as standardization works, usually hand in glove with the real life developments and, and market needs. Um, we're currently discussing whether more guidance on applying this new type of assessment, that is validation and verification of, of claims of, of data and information, is needed and should be provided by CASCO. So that's what we have and that's what we are currently discussing um, to potentially develop. And uh, within the STAR group you, you mentioned, um, a policy group of CASCO who does not necessarily, or not at all indeed, um, develop standards, but uh, where industry and regulators meet and, and openly discuss in a, in a platform round forum kind of um, set up uh, what's needed and where conformity assessment needs, market needs and consumer needs and, and industry needs. Um, there we took the broader angle um, of the application of all types of conformity assessment that is not only the latest development in validation and verification, but um, as well the long-standing testing and inspection and certification tools to circular economy and find use cases, explanations, highlights, model situations where conformity assessment could contribute to, to build the trust um, that the things are actually what they are supposed to need to be, which is uh, needed in any uh, uh, setup and in the circular economy um, just being one very prominent example. So this is what we do um, in general and in, in that STAR group in particular to um, enhance knowledge, raise awareness, meet stakeholders and um, highlight the opportunities conformity assessment can provide for those 
who have to make decisions. And um, by decisions, I mean all of them. Those the um, governments, the regulators have to take when setting the rules. Those investors would make when deciding to spill money into particular economic sectors or areas. And um, finally, you and me, um, when standing at the shelf, um, being a consumer and deciding what to buy and uh, how to consume. Yeah, thank you, Stephanie, for giving that input that um, the Star Group is, it's like the industry as well as the regulators and the other stakeholders meeting together to um, apply the concept of conformity assessment, the different standards related to that, to circular economy which is quite interesting actually to uh, learn. But can I also, uh, I, as you know, and as we understand that ISO is also working on a, a, a technical committee, which is ISO TC323. So can you please elaborate on the work and the purpose it, it, it intends to achieve? Yes, certainly. So a real technical committee um, like the uh, technical committee 323 on circular economy is, um, is a platform to, to debate, to um, actually standardize and define um, characteristics as well as needs and expectations um, that could then eventually uh, serve as specifications when um, subjecting it to a conformity assessment. And in that such um, sector standardization is a little different from the uh, generic tool making workshop and the policy group uh, CASCO could be considered as. However, that TC323 is quite horizontal. Um, circularity is sought in so many areas or, or sectors. Um, you could think of individually repaired or refurbished consumer gadgets um, to waste and turning waste into energy. And um, TC2, TC323 really aims at this very big picture. They intend to tackle it all at once, very bravely, um, the uh, fundamentals, the principles of circularity, of circular economy, means of transitioning, um, of, of getting there, of moving towards a more circular um, approach to economic um, supply chains, for instance, and um, the assessment. So the accessibility of, of circularity is uh, the last bit they, they take into account. And uh, as I said, this approach is uh, certainly ambitious, uh, but to me it's, it's uh, sensible since um, I think we do need to define a common understanding of circularity, um, to define indicators, find criteria, what we understand as circularity, how we could um, evaluate it. And um, secondly, we would need these procedures. Um, they are essential to, to, to get there. 
And um, while getting there, while transitioning, um, we would need to agree, agree upon benchmarks and milestones. And uh, standardization is a brilliant um, platform and tool to, to do that. And finally, and that comes from the conformity assessment um, perspective, we would need to measure. We would need to quantify, we would need to judge these achievements. And uh, this would be one application of uh, conformity assessment in that area. And um, that would not only apply um, to the now perhaps newly specified aspects of circularity, but uh, also to um, our evergreens such as uh, safety or, or being free from hazards, because just being recycled or refurbished doesn't mean that a material or, or a product could now be less safe for the uh, use and, and the consumer. And um, so the idea is to have it all at once, uh, not to trade safety, for instance, for the new circularity and to structure this and um, specify this uh, through standardization. So that's what this uh, TC323 uh, uh, undertakes and, and commits to, to achieve. Yeah, Stephanie, as, as you rightly said, it's a very ambitious plan, but then there is a need that we assess the circularity part of it. And there is a need that we define a common understanding related to circularity, considering the new concept. And of course, measure, unless you don't measure and you don't define things, you don't know what actually is happening. Uh, so as we understand that the circular economy works on three principles, um, design out waste and pollution, keep products and materials in use, and regenerate the natural systems. Now, when we consider these principles, uh, Dr. Bernardo, can you please share your views as to how the conformity assessment practices will have its application across these principles, and of course, the wide range of sectors which we will have to target? Thank you. Um Let's look at a bit wider, not only conformity assessment, but we consider that we need a yeah. strong and a robust and fit for purpose quality infrastructure yeah. system. So we need the, 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 the functioning and the operational work of all the uh, quality infrastructure system to transition and to support the uh, 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 circular economy. So we need uh, the quality infrastructure, but we need the policies we mentioned before, we need a regulatory framework. We need standardization. We discussed it already. We need metrology. And here we are thinking about measurement, also a bit different of what uh, was just discussed. But metrology is fundamental for, um, for everything. It's, it's fundamental for uh, um, keeping the architecture of uh, the, the QI together. Accreditation, fundamental. We have so many new schemes. Uh, we need a new certification process. Who accredits, who certifies all these new? So their need is un, uh, undeniable. So uh, QI and each of these pillars play a key role in supporting the research of new materials and products, uh, in developing innovative technologies and determining reliable and comparably the environmental impact of production and consumption. So as I mentioned before, standards can play a fundamental role 
I think we heard uh, about the CASCO standards uh, that they play a fundamental role in monitoring, enforcing of government mandates on uh, in relation to, let's say, loss of biodiversity, loss of the quality of soil, air and water along the value chain, and similar challenges. So when we uh, dive deeper, we can also visualize better what we are going to measure. In industry, the um, CASCO and conformity assessment standard, they build the architecture, they build the confidence to demonstrate the compliance to re regulation of the circular economy, including what we see coming more and more, which is the mandatory social and environmental due diligence, because this is part of a broader sustainability understanding. So the adoption of these uh, standards can also help the private sector uh, uh, in, in being more responsible um, in uh, countering plant obsolescence, uh, also countering uh, fraud, uh, countering counterfeiting. All these problems are part of, of uh, uh, what uh, uh, the quality infrastructure system can uh, be uh, utilized, but also to have the goods at a reasonable price, uh, repairing, uh, including reusing, requires also an economic efficiency. Finally, also moving to the next level from standards to the services. The conformity assessments uh, services are fundamental to bring forward the, uh, the economy. We need to create a link between technical standards, product services, processes, in the real life. So we have an example, eco-design approaches aiming to support circular product, products. They have to be captured first in standards, in definition, models, and criteria. But then we need to establish test methods, conformity assessment frameworks to evaluate the material, energy, water footprint. And then we can start talking about how these products are becoming circular. And then we need also clarity on communication and reporting about the various contexts. So the, 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 the circular economy uh, relies also on the use of secondary raw materials. But how are we making sure that we are recovering through recycling these materials and that they are of good quality? The pr properties and test methods should also define uh, the, the, the characteristics of these secondary raw materials uh, to support through information and trust. So this is also done uh, with the support of conformity assessment mechanism or schemes for this type of material and the establishment of the necessary conformity assessment capacities to transition from conventional production to these environmental practices has to be also uh, adjusted and adapted, uh, especially in developing countries where uh, we are still facing a lack of understanding of these new concepts. In, 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 let me just mention, UNIDO has been very active in the area of, uh, for example, in South Africa, in the developing country. We have helped the establishment of the first ever accredited national biodegradation testing laboratory. So we, we have helped to lead the transition, uh, not to say the, the work that uh, we, we, we also do in, uh, together in, in, in one framework with ILAC, with the IEF, which is uh, accreditation of uh, conformity assessment bodies, of laboratories, etc. But here we have created this new testing facility to verify the biodegradability of claims 
on imported and locally produced material so that we can uh, promote biodegradable markets. So this is something very innovative, very important uh, that leads us to uh, increase the capacities to evaluate the environmental aspect of using different materials. UNIDO has also provided similar services in Tunisia, for example, in technical centers where we are working with the related quality and laboratory uh, testing and working also with training, the expertise at advisory service and underpinning uh, best practice in conformity assessment. I would like to leave it there. Yeah, Dr. Bernardo, this is pretty interesting to notice, especially the update on the biodegradable lab, which you've set up in the South Africa part of it. It's it's actually an innovative uh, thought. And I completely agree with you that um, it's since the circularity is a concept which is evolving, we do need to of obviously take in these steps to upgrade the quality infrastructure where we have different stakeholder engagement. Also, the focus could be on the developing economies where the concept is completely new. So we need to also pitch in our efforts to upgrade those uh, concepts by best practices, trainings, etc. Uh, so keeping in line with whatever you've just mentioned and the innovative actions which have been taken uh, by, by UNIDO, uh, do you see ways in which IAF and UNIDO can collaborate to ensure effective implementation of the circular economy practices? Certainly. Let me uh, just start by saying UNIDO and, uh, and the IAF and ILAC, we have a long history of cooperation. Yeah. Of cooperation. I, I would like just to, to, to recall one very interesting study that we did in the implementation of uh, the time that that was the state of the, the art, uh, ISO 9001, uh, uh, yeah. a, a market surveillance, we developed a methodology of market surveillance to evaluate the effectiveness of ISO 9000 in the South and South Asia region. Uh, we finally came up with a publication called Good Practices Experience in the Market Surveillance of ISO 9000 Quality Management System. And this is something we can do together is, is is to look how this mechanism, how the certification schemes are working and if they are working properly, because as you know, uh, we have also the challenge to build trust. Uh, we, we, we say always, we, I say we, the family of the QI community, we claim that uh, uh, conformity assessment and QI is building trust, but sometimes uh, we need to make sure that uh, outsiders and uh, are not abusing of the existing of this. And you know, we, the, the uh, example in extremis is ISO 9000, but we have problems also with other standards and the claims, uh, and so we can work on that in the governance, yeah? I think this, this is an area, uh, sure, we have been working very much together. We support, uh, I'm just uh, thinking in Ghana to, 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 to help the certification body to, to, to be accredited, to prepare them. And uh, so this type of activities are important, but I'm thinking more the, the, uh, the, the upstream work we can do together. Uh, we have an other important work we do in the framework of the INETQI, International Quality Infrastructure Network. And here we have been also uh, building consensus for joint definition of, of quality infrastructure system. We were part of this. We have been collaborating on providing technical uh, uh, training programs. We have been 
issuing uh, methodologies, publications, guidance documents. We can do much more uh, of that and we can link it now to the circular economy and to what happened in COP27, which was the definition of the net zero has been there's a guidance document that was launched, so we can align more to that. And as you know, in, in, in ISO, there is the, the so-called London Declaration, which uh, is looking after uh, reviewing all our actions from the sustainability point of view. So we can do together. Uh, we have also been cooperating with the launching of the Quality Infrastructure for Sustainable Development Index. Uh, it's a benchmarking tool. It's not a, a ranking, but it's a benchmarking tool. The difference to other uh, uh, rankings is that this index assesses the state uh, of QI readiness in relation to the sustainable development goals. So in relation to, to the three pillars, people, planet, prosperity, and uh, it tries to demonstrate the value of QI for sustainable development. So why do we need to invest in this regard? And it's important because a lot of the funding and a lot of the international support uh, will be coming towards the net zero paradigm. So <clears throat> this is something very important we have been doing together. Uh, another aspect, but this is more with, uh, with, with ILAC, but still a joint work we're doing is LabNet and we have been collaborating this. This is part of this uh, joint work we do in the framework of um, um, uh, INETQI. And we have also an, 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 another entry point which is the Joint Development Support Committee, to which we, we contribute and that helps us to identify the needs of developing countries where we report what we are doing and we capitalize on the experiences. So this is another way where we can bring this discussion a bit forward. I think this is still on our agenda and maybe we can use this uh, wonderful impulse that you are giving to, to this to, 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 to bring this to the discussion. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Bernardo. I completely agree that there has been a lot of activities which IAF and UNIDO have undertaken and looking into the circularity part of it and the, this new concept, I'm sure that IAF and UNIDO will go forward with their collaboration on technical training, uh, adapting uh, what methodologies to be adapted, developing some guidance documents and likewise and so on. Not necessarily to just the developed country, but also to progress it to the developing countries to upgrade their understanding, knowledge, skill and everything. So thank you for the detailed update of the collaboration between UNIDO and IF as well as ILAC, of course. Uh, now, as we understand the different activities which UNIDO have undertaken, uh, uh, Stephanie, can I request you to uh, please let us know if at the European Union level there have been any actions in relation to the circular economy? Yes, thank you. Uh, there have been. Um, the European Union has set up uh, an action plan, really, a circular economy action plan that is part of uh, what's called the European Union Green Deal, um, which is a greater plan um, to transform the European economy as such towards um, sustainability. And this greater deal um, addresses uh, the widest range. It uh, tackles energy, mobility, 
building and construction, food, pollution, emissions, um, biodiversity, on the other hand, finance being backbone structure to all of it, research being uh, another um, net that is orienting and informing and uh, helping us to understand better. So within that uh, wider um, deal, the uh, circular economy um, aspects are broken down to um, individual actions, uh, more than 30, uh, to make um, sustainable products the norm. As uh, we did uh, so many years ago with uh, safe products on the market. Um, sustainability is now a new product or not, not new, but uh, um, in the focus of this uh, legislative um, activities, uh, an aspect uh, to uh, characterize products and to build into into products. And um, that is, um, and I was already struggling to break it down because it is obviously a multidimensional undertaking. There are um, key value chains identified um, and in focus, and that's uh, electronics, um, vehicles, textiles, food, uh, packaging, which is cutting across uh, a lot of uh, uh, value chains and construction. And another cutting across um, aspects, uh, which is also key, is waste. And uh, you mentioned it, Apana, waste reduction, really. And all of it aims at um, enable circularity on all levels. So from the uh, very personal individual housekeeping um, to the environment, cities uh, and, and regions um, built and to catch all of it. And uh, as for the actual regulatory craft, um, this would imply the uh, revision, or it does imply the revision of existing legal acts towards um, empowering the consumers um, by providing better information, um, better product information, so to uh, splice that into consumer law. And on the other end, to um, have a more modern um, regulation uh, when it comes to waste. Um, but revising what we have doesn't really do the trick. Um, there's also new legislation needed, um, mostly aiming at transparency that relates to disclosure of information um, in the context of sustainability or relating to sustainability. And that is at the same time to, to harmonize criteria in order to um, be able to categorize what is circular, what is sustainable, um, uh, what is understood and how can I, um, can I act upon as a consumer, as a buyer, as a B2B uh, relationship. And Another facet of this multifaceted um, endeavor is uh, to establish a new right to repair, 
to to actually build into all the legal um, frameworks um, the right the consumer has to have um, products repaired, which um, also cuts across from the design to the actual um, waste management and resourcing and providing spares and and repair opportunities. And so this would be the last um, uh, projection of this uh, matrix um, that would consider to um, target many economic um, focal points in order to, to make it work. Um, mechanisms would be needed for, for jobs and skills, new jobs perhaps, different jobs, new skill sets. Um, it would need to um, address industries as such. I just just leave it at that. And um, on the other hand, um, other big structures which are less industrial and private, more publicly um, governed, governed like like urban initiatives or, or public um, activities. So. That's the uh, the circular economy plan um, the European Union um, has in mind and is currently uh, developing and uh, pushing towards implementation. And you see that it's quite a comprehensive endeavor. Um, but uh, to my mind, that, that makes sense. It, it can't be less encompassing. It can't be less complex than the circular economy itself and all the systems that act within and that act in its favor. And uh, I know very well that I'm, that I'm addressing uh, uh, an accreditor um, audience. And obviously the accreditation clockwork is one of these systems acting within. And uh, Bernardo mentioned it, uh, contributing, building the trust and uh, well, adding its piece to, to make it all work. Yeah, so I think uh, uh, with that, Stephanie, I know it's like a quite diverse area of work because I completely agree with you that to categorize the sustainable part of it and to um, and to find out the disclosure information on the sustainability and to ensure that it is effectively produced, monitor it. So, Obviously, conformity assessment is going to have a major role. And when we talk about conformity assessment, as you mentioned, accreditation also has a major role to play about it. So both of them uh, will require to be incorporated either in the legislative or the uh, act actions which the EU is taking, uh, European Union is taking related to the circular economy. Uh, do you want to highlight any further actions on this area or do you think that whatever green claims and the carbon emission measurement and the waste production manage, uh, measurement are some of them which are sufficient or would you like to have your views expressed what further could be done in this regard? Well, um, 
in a nutshell, I would say we need to do it right, because if it's all about confidence and trust, uh, we would need to have uh, reliable and trustworthy results and, and conformity statements. And, and that's uh, easy said, uh, but as we all know, not easily done, and uh, but feasible. We are experts in that. Um, uh, activity, but it requires a lot of ingredients. We do need uh, standardized and reliable and robust accessible requirements. So, so, so that is, if you ask me what needs to be done, we really need to, to characterize and specify and, and break down our needs and expectations to something that is accessible and that can um, withstand the the, uh, the 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 challenge that it is robustly done and reliably done and reproducibly done and that the results are comparable because the ultimate worst case um, in all of it and that relates to consumer decisions as well as investors um, spending money and regulators setting frameworks is that uh, we build on something that is not actually what's supposed to be and uh, I, I I am very careful with uh, with keywords like greenwashing or rainbow washing but uh, that would be the ultimate worst case that uh, a lot of energy is um, engaged and invested and uh, the output is uh, is meager so um, we would need to set this up according to a robust structure, which we do have. We do have, you all know that, and you're, you're, you're working with it daily, but, uh, it's, it needs to be, it needs to be at its core in order to, to provide what we, what we strive for. Yeah, I agree. We do have a robust structure, but as you mentioned, your keywords like robust, standardized, accessible requirements, these are something new which need to be built in for the circular economy concept. And we need to be very careful in doing that because it does have that element of that five letter word trust where which is actually of key importance. Um, uh, so in similar lines, uh, can I seek the views of Dr. Barnardo as well uh, as to what uh, what would be the way forward steps you feel um, related to ensuring this trust factor in the QI infrastructure of the circular economy? Thank you. One, one important element I think that uh, needs to be highlighted because we need to, we, we talked about policy at, at higher levels, but we need to bring it down to the production level. And, and when we see there uh, that the circular economy really relies on maintaining the uh, material quality for reusing, using the things for longer. So uh, uh, these, these trends are pushing more responsibility on the producer because they have to incentivize and they need to, to make sure that the, 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 the material is more durable, is longer lasting. Uh, that uh, the, 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 that there, there are more materials can be reused. So we have uh, been uh, in, in the last years uh, witnessing a growing interest in what it is called the reverse supply chain, which is uh, precisely referring to the backward flow of materials and products as opposed to forward supply chain, 
So with this uh, reverse uh, supply chain, products at the end are of the life cycle are reprocessed and introduced back into the uh, forward supply chain. So this process is first of all under the responsibility of the producer, but he needs to have the elements to, to assess that because this is what will help to expand the circularity. So quality of the reprocessed product or materials becomes a decisive element, the decisive factor to use this new project and to define the limits of reuse or uh, of the resources. So this is a, a very important element that we need to look at. Uh, secondly, uh, we can look at an example on wastewater. Uh, wastewater contains many components, phosphorus, nitrogen, so, but there are also pollutants. Yeah. So you have both, you have to re recuperate, the, reuse part of that and, and recover, but also uh, because you want to use this recovered water for irrigation or for other industrial purposes and even for drinking water. But in, if you want to maximize the efficiency of this quality supply, you need to verify and you need to implement proper quality assurance to produce this quality output you are looking for. So a, another very distinctive case that illustrates this is uh, where you need is working heavily is on uh, waste electrical and ele electronic e equipment, uh, e-waste. And, and there we, we have a lot of toxic uh, compounds such as lead, mercury, cadmium, uh, brominated flame retardants. And here it is a problem also in the use of the resources because if we don't do not recover properly, we're not optimizing the use of this material. Minerals are becoming more uh, rare and we know that uh, they are damaging the environment in the way they are being produced. Uh, the conditions uh, to produce uh, any of these materials, uh, uh, be it uh, lithium or etc., probably have strong social and environmental aspects. So it, it, we need to look much deeper. So uh, this is why this, this process of eliminating the toxic compounds can uh, really be very, very important to, to be careful because the toxic compounds can leak into the water, can leak into the soil. They contaminate with this uh, waste uh, electronics, uh, the landfills. And, and can be incinerated. So the adoption of quality standards for us is very important because of the negative environmental aspects, the risk for human health, and we even don't know what is happening. So this is something that is part of the more traditional environmental polluting, uh, pollution control aspect, but we need to take it into account in this new concept of circularity. Uh, so quality management principles are uh, the right way that can help circularity. And I always say these are the basis. To have a management system is the basis and you can then adjust to the needs, be it innovation, be it environment, be it uh, IT security, because that's another aspect we're not touching all the, 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 the problem that the digitalization brings about. So we need to ad adapt all these procedures so that we can move into circularity on the interoperability among the different standards, actors, processes, and future projects. So uh, we see that the circular economy is really gaining traction, but also we see that 
only 9% of the world is going circular, 9%. This is from the World Economic Forum. So we need to make sure to accelerate this process and we need to be more ambitious. So uh, quality in terms of functionality and safety is eventually the basis, as I say, but it's not sufficient. So we need to add sustainability. This is a new dimension with social and environmental aspects so that we go back to the big picture of the SDGs where we have people, planet and prosperity, but now for enterprises and we need to measure. Uh, we, are, we are in the business of measurement and th then we will be able to contribute more uh, to the environmental and social impact. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, uh, Dr. Barnardo. And as he echoed that there is a need that we implement the quality management systems uh, across the supply chain. And it's just not at the QI level, but also um, at the uh, manufacturer level, wherein at the production level, we, wherein we need to ensure that at each, at each stage, there is an element of trust instilled and the understanding goes deep down. So it's it's not just that we talk about at the QI, but across the whole uh, ecosystem. So um, as based, thank you both of you for the extreme thoughts that you've given an innovative approach uh, for the circular economy concept, because as we all know, this paradigm shift to circular economy is, in is inevitable. So there is a requirement that we harmonize the definitions, the data, the standards, the methodologies across different stakeholders, be it industry, be it our national governments, be it international organizations or anybody as such, because we see that different regions are taking different action plan at their end for building this trust we also need to ensure that these action plans are in uh, coherence being collaborated so that it has effective implementation on ground. And thus the QI network consisting of standards, conformity assessment bodies, metrological institutes, accreditation bodies are, have a key role because they are the ones who will independently verify the circular economy claims being made by the manufacturers, thereby instilling trust amongst all the stakeholders. So robust testing and certification infrastructure will reassure the high quality during the product life cycle and will facilitate in reaching the global market with involvement of all stakeholders. When I say all stakeholders, I know it is important, for example, in today's uh, discussion, what we need, we saw the ISO Casco working at a level where they're interacting with IF, UNODO is interacting with IF in different activities. Likewise, we need to find out the other stakeholders and work in coherence so that we are effectively able to implement the concepts of circular economy in a harmonized fashion across all the different regions and sensitize everybody, be it a developed nation or be it a developing economy. So thank you both of you for your sparing your time and sharing your important views. And on behalf of IF, it is my immense pleasure to host this podcast. And with this, uh, I would like to sign off today's podcast and happy viewing to all the viewers. Thank you so much.